see their hearts this morning. And sometimes hearts are hard to see. 1 John. First John chapter 4 is where we'll be at this morning. So at the beginning of this week, as I uh, began to study for my message, um, I saw what the topic was going to be this week, and um, I just, to be honest, I couldn't believe it. It just kind of floored me as I I looked at it again, and I, I began to pray, and I said, Lord, I'm not questioning you on the topic. I know that you're a wise God, and I know that you know exactly what you're doing, and I, I don't understand. But this is the third time that John has covered the topic of loving one another. This will be the third message on loving one another. How many ways can I preach love one another? I said, Lord, please show me what I'm missing. What is it that I'm missing in this? What is it that I need to bring out that I've not brought out in the two previous messages before this? And so I continued to study. And it all sounded so familiar. Stuff that we've already covered. Stuff that I've already preached about. What am I missing? What is it that I'm missing? Is there a new revelation, something that I'm not seeing in here? God, please show me what it is. What am I missing? Then it was about Friday. I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw this. Don't let anyone be the cause of why you leave church. They are not the reason why you go to church in the first place. And there were two people on my feed that had shared this post. One of them was my mother-in-law. She had shared that. And the other person had did that very thing that they posted. And I thought, are you kidding me? Of all the people who could have shared this post, you shared this post. You did that very thing. You left a church because you didn't like somebody that was there. You did that thing. I read it to my wife, and I said, you'll never guess who posted that. And she told me the very person that posted it. She got it on the first try. She didn't have to poke around. She didn't have to. I said, you'll never. Of course, there was a little sarcasm in my voice when I said, you'll never guess who posted that. And she told me first time. Are they really that clueless? Do they not think that it applies to them? 
And that's when the light went on. That's when the light went on. That's exactly why three messages on love one another, they're clueless. They are clueless. They think that they are an exception or that that their situation is exempt or they just don't see themselves as having that problem because they're justified in their situation. They don't see themselves as being apathetic or rebellious. They don't see that in themselves. We turn a blind eye to our own cluelessness. Husbands are not loving their wives like Christ loved the church. Wives are not respecting their husbands. We refuse to forgive those who hurt us and especially those who hurt our family. We're not loving the brethren, let alone loving our enemies. Does God really expect us to love our enemies? That's what he says. You see, we do what comes easy, and we disregard the hard stuff. Yesterday, we took a trip to the Branson Bell, and I watched 19 brothers and sisters in Christ laugh and love and cut up. That's easy. That was easy. But Matthew chapter 5 says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? If you do the easy stuff, if you only love those who love you back, then what reward is there in that? Are you not even as the tax collectors? They, the tax collectors, the sinners do that. They, they love those who love them back. What's the big deal in that? And if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? You see, even the pagans do that. Unfortunately, too many of us are looking at what God commands with a worldly outlook. But do you understand the biblical view of this topic? You see, John has gone so far as to say, not that you're a bad Christian, but that you're not a Christian at all if you don't love. When you say, I won't do it, you reveal reveal a rebellious attitude towards God. When you say, I can't do it, you're calling God a liar. Because he said, you will do it. You see, God by nature is love. He defines love, not the other way around. Love does not define God. God is the definition of love. 
Too many times we try to apply our conditional human understanding of love to God. And it doesn't work that way. He exceeds any such limitations of love. You see, that God is love explains many biblical worldviews. Number one, why he created. Think about it. Have you ever thought, why did God create? He had a perfect relationship in the triune God. A perfect, loving relationship in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why did he create human beings that would fail him, human beings that would deny him, human beings that would hate him? One God and three persons. And God gave to the Son as a love gift to redeem a people who would love, honor, and glorify him. Because God is love. Number two, God love explains human choices. Free will, as we say. He designed us to know and to love him by an act of the will. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see, God's greatest command is to love God. With all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is the greatest of the commands. Number three, God's love explains his protective, his protection over us. You see, he orchestrates our life, all the circumstances, good, bad, and the ugly. He orchestrates them for our better and for our good and for the good of the kingdom and our place in that kingdom. He reveals his love by the way he orchestrates our life. Number four, his love explains his divine plan of redemption. If God only focused on his, love, on his law, we would all be done. We would all be gone. We would all be wiped out, annihilated. We would all spend eternity in hell. But his love offered a way out, a way out of that penalty for sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, what? Through him might be saved. That's love. And God expresses his love to mankind in several ways. We have general love. Psalms 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Through compassion, God shows his love and expresses his love through compassion. What does that compassion look like? He delays his final judgment his desire is to see that nobody would be lost. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for his compassion? Aren't you thankful he waited for you? I know I'm thankful he waited for me. 
No, I'm thankful he waited for my dad. And he waited for my mom. And I'm thankful that he's waiting on my boy. That's what I'm thankful for. And warning after warning after warning. God loves us enough to warn us and to warn us and to warn us over and over and over again. But listen, all of those wonderful loves end at this life. They all end here. Those are general loves for all of us in the world. But God has a special eternal love for those who believe. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 7 says, 4 through 7 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, yes, and raised us up with him and sealed us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now let's look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. <coughs> Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God... God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth away fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and he hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Beloved. John starts out his whole lesson this morning by calling those who listen to him and those who hear him beloved. 
a divine lovedness. Beloved. And then John goes right into love one another. You see, this is the sacrificial love that we've been talking about over the past two uh, messages on love. Love that is given to somebody who needs it. Not to somebody just because they're lovable. Why? Because God is love. And our love is a reflection of who God is. When we love as Christians, we reflect God's love to this world. Why? Because you are his child. You are born of God. And if you are born of God, you will manifest his love to others. You see, there are characteristics of my earthly father that I reflect. There are times that I've had people come up to me, and I'm sure my brother has had the same thing, who come up to me and say, you are absolutely Ronnie Page's boy. I can tell by the way you look. We share the characteristics of our earthly father. If I had hair, my brother and I would look a lot more alike. (laughs) But that's because we share the characteristics of our earthly father. We can't help it. It's in our DNA. That's who we are. I have a young man that just started working for me a few weeks ago, and his dad has worked for us for many, many years. And one day I heard him laughing out on the job, and I looked out and said, oh, my goodness, you got your dad's laugh. He says, I know, I can't help it. He has his father's DNA. He reflects his father. I was watching somebody the other day, and I know their parents, and as I was watching them, I thought, holy smokes, she looks like her mom. They may not want to hear that, but, man, she looked like her mom. You look like your mom. You see, when you reflect God's love, you are his begotten. You are his child. You have his DNA, his spiritual DNA. You will reflect the love that he has towards people. You can't help it. That's who you are. That's how people know is by your love, saved in the past with a continued evidence of love in the future. That's who we are. And then John flips to the opposite side, and he says, listen, and the one who doesn't love, well, it doesn't matter what they claim. John says they're not a Christian. There's no way. If you do not love, you do not have the DNA of God. You do not have the characteristics of God. And the greatest of all God's love was when he sent Jesus to us. His only begotten son, not because we deserved it, not because... We had one ounce of love for God at all. As a matter of fact, he says, and yet while we were sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. Undeserving. 
We were the enemies of God, and he sent his son. That's love. That's a love I can't fathom. That's a love I can't wrap my brain around. My earthly mind says, that's crazy. But that's God's love. He died to give us a way to be right with God. That's what the word propitiation means, to cover the sin, to make us right so that we can be right with God. If God loved us like that, how dare you not love others? How dare you not love others? How dare us not reflect that love? You see, he not only gave us the perfect love, but he also gave us the perfect example in Jesus Christ. You want to know how to love others? Read how Jesus dealt with others. The perfect example. You see, to withhold that love is to reflect a selfish, self-centered way of life. I can't love them because they're inconvenient to me. I can't love them because they hurt me. Or I can't love them because they're unlovable. It's a selfish, self-centered, pull-myself-away-from-that-situation mindset and lifestyle. And that is not of God. Look at verse 12 again. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And he hath known and believeth the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. No one has seen God the Father. So this is John's point. No one has seen God the Father, and Jesus is no longer visible in this present age. So, unbelievers will not see God's love unless God's people love. He will not see, the unbeliever will not see the love of God unless he sees the love in us. That's the only way. That's why it's important. That's why we must show love. It's because they cannot see the love of God unless they see the love of God reflected through us. <laughs> love one another. So the unseen God reveals himself through visible love of believers. And God's love is manifested in his son, and now it is revealed in his people. God's manifested love was in his son, and now his love is reflected through his people. Because he has given us the Spirit. And Spirit is capitalized in my Bible. He has given us the Holy Spirit. You see, we can reflect God's love on others because the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts. Constantly at work in our hearts. 
And then John says, listen, we have seen and we have testified. There is no greater testimony than a firsthand account. John said him and the other apostles, they saw Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They saw his miracles. They saw him die on the cross. They saw him raised from the dead. They saw him ascend into heaven. There is no greater testimony than firsthand account. He said, we saw these things and we testify of these things. You know, I've shared a lot of other people's testimonies from behind this pulpit. But the greatest ones will always be my own because they're personal. And I know they're real and I know they're true. Not that I doubt the others, but we are more passionate about our own testimonies. All those things that God has done for me, that God has done through me. But the proof is in my love. My love for those who deserve it and my love for those who don't deserve it. I am so thankful the Pitsons are here today. I cannot think about a greater, a greater example of loving those who don't deserve it. Try jailhouse ministry. You want to talk about loving people. how easy it would be just to throw your hands up and say, what's the use? What's the use? And instead, you saw the tears running down their cheeks saying, what else can we do? What else is there? We've given our life to this. We've given everything to reach out to the unlovable. What else can we do? God, if there's something else I can do, just show me what it is. I am willing to do that. And for who? For the unlovable. They don't deserve it, and many of them don't even want it. <laughs> and this is the powerful thing. John says in verse 16 that you are in God. And God is in you. <laughs> because of their love for the unlovable, John says they are in God and God is in them. How powerful is that? When you love the undesirable, when you love those who don't deserve to be loved, God is in you and you are in God. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Boldness in the day of judgment. How many of you would like to have boldness in the day of judgment? 
to be confident in the day of judgment, to be confident when you stand before God that I love God and I love my fellow man. You see, God wants us to be confident. He wants us to be confident about our salvation. That's why he gives us these litmus tests so that we can be confident in our salvation. And he says, listen, if we will learn to love like God loves, we can be confident in our salvation. You see, all sin is rooted in the lack of love. That's what Jesus said. All sin is rooted in the lack of love, either our lack of love for God or our lack of love for our fellow man. It's all rooted in that. You learn to love God, you learn to love your man, and everything else will get in line like ducks in a row. Perfect love casts out all fear. You know, I've heard this verse used a thousand different ways. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Well, in context, John is saying the closer we walk in God's love and reflect God's love, there's no fear in eternal judgment. That's what he's talking about. He says you can be confident. There's no fear when we stand before a God, a a God, a judge, When we are living our Christian life and we're loving our brothers, he says, there is no fear to stand before God that way. But those who don't love, for them there is trauma. There is great fear. I shared this a while back. I was talking to a gentleman who tried to convince me he was a believer in Christ. Oh, he believed, you know, I'm just... You know, I, I was saved when I was a kid, and this and that, and I know the life he's living. I know he's drunk every weekend. I know he's partying every... I know, I know the life he's living, and he's trying to convince me. I don't know if he's trying to convince me or convince himself that he's right with God. But then out of the blue, as we're driving down the road, he asked me, he said, Are you afraid to die? And I said, No. Afraid? No. I said, I would describe it like this. It's like flying into an airport and not knowing where I'm going. I don't know what's next. It's not that I'm afraid of it. I just don't, I'm just a little anxious because I don't know what's next. He said, I'm terrified of death. I'm terrified of death. He said, my whole family is terrified of death. Hmm. Perfect love casts out all fear. You see, contrary to popular belief, you love only you only love God because He loved you first. You didn't go seeking for God; He came looking for you. We like to think that we we had a part in it, that we had anything to do with it. But we love God because he loved us first. I didn't know how to love God. Shoot, I didn't know how to love my wife. I didn't know how to love my kids. I sure didn't know how to love my enemies. I didn't know none of that stuff when I first got saved. I didn't know any of that. Hmm. He that feareth is not made 
perfect in love. I told him, I said, listen, maybe you should live a little closer to God and there won't be that fear. He said, I can see that. It didn't change him, <laughs> but he said, I can see that. At least he acknowledged that the fear comes from the fact that he's not living for God. And if a man says, I love God, and he hateth his brother, he is a liar. Man, what a powerful, there are no more, man, that is just, talk about in your face. You say you love God, and you hate your brother, you're a liar. You can't love God and hate your brother, it's impossible. You're a liar. Boy, that won't get your front teeth knocked out of your face. <laughs> you're a liar. Have you ever sat down and thought, is there somebody I have a problem with? Is there somebody I hate? Is there somebody I don't like? Is there somebody that I should be loving differently? Man, I do it all the time. I do. I do it all the time because, I, man, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be the one. I, I can't think. I honestly, as I was doing this message, I'm saying, God, is there anybody that I have a problem with? Is there anybody that I can't love? There's some I don't particular care to be around that don't mean I don't love them don't mean I want to see them changed I want to see them changed I want to see their life made right with God I mean just because we love them don't mean that we have to spend weekends with them and hang out with them and right let me, let me clear that up real quick <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> right there I mean they're it, it, it doesn't, and it doesn't mean that it's always pleasantries either. You know, sometimes the greatest love we can show is in a rebuke. Sometimes the greatest love we can show is to have a backbone and to stand up and say, you're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. That's love. And yet we want to sugarcoat it and pat them on the head and say it'll be okay we still love you we still love you and we pacify them and we enable them to continue what they're doing when sometimes what we need to do is get in their face and say you're wrong what you're doing is wrong that's love For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how in the world can you love a God that you can't see? If I can't love the brother standing before me, how in the world do I think I'm going to love God that I can't see? I can't even feel him because I'm not letting his love flow through me. How in the world can I claim to love God when I can't even reflect that love to my brothers? Man, I'm telling you, God doesn't leave anything open. He says you have to love everybody. Come on, God, there's got to be exceptions. What's the disclaimer? There's got to be a little disclaimer at the bottom, right? Well, you can love all those except those who hurt you. Except those who stole from you. Except those who molested you. Or those who raped you. Or those who hurt your children or those who hurt your family. God, there's got to be a disclaimer somewhere in there. There's got to be. 
God said, I didn't put a disclaimer. When I sent my love, my son, by my love for you to die for you, I didn't put any disclaimers. I'll die for everybody but. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. That sums it up. I don't know how many more times God's going to have me preach on brotherly love. I don't care if it's 10. I don't care if it's 20. If God tells me to preach on brotherly love, for the remainder of the time I'm here, I may lose my congregation. Well, I wonder what he's preaching this week. Oh, surprise, brotherly love. (laughs) Would you stand to your feet? I love you guys. I truly love you guys with all of my heart. And just like in a family, when I was growing up, me and my brother Shannon didn't get along all the time. We didn't, but we didn't stop being brothers. We got a great relationship now. Me and my brother Tim was worse. We still don't get along every time. (laughs) But I still love him. He's still my brother. My sister, she was just kind of floating out there somewhere. It's the same thing in this family. Sometimes the people around you are going to get on your nerves. Sometimes they're going to do things that you don't like. Sometimes you may bicker. Sometimes you may disagree you still love them do you get it do you get it do you see yourself in this message do you see yourself in this message or are you clueless are you clueless this is only you know that i don't know i don't know the people in your life i don't know what you're dealing with i don't know the struggles you have i don't know that god knows And I pray that he reveals it to you, that there be no clueless amongst us this morning. Father, thank you for this word. God, I thank you for your answered prayer, God. And God, I pray that there be no clueless amongst us today, God. That if we're dealing with this, if we're that person, God, who has thinks we're above this or, or this doesn't apply to us or, or my case is different or we start trying to, to justify our hate or our unforgiveness towards our brothers or to, to those around us. God, help us to see that John's talking to us. And it doesn't matter what we say but that the actions that we have speak way louder than the words we speak. God, I thank you that that there's not a lot of need for interpretation in what John said. If you say that you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. 
and you are not of God, and you are not a child of God. I don't care how many times you've sung songs. I don't care how many times you've preached message. If you do not love your brother, if you do not love the way God loves you, reflect the love of God, you are not his child. God, thank you for being so open and so blunt to us to help us see the truth. And now, Father, as we conclude this service today, God, as we walk out of here, God, I pray we walk out of here with a clear mind that you have showed us, God, where we need to deal with this love problem. I pray you put people in our path this week that need that love. Deserving or undeserving, Father, it doesn't matter. I pray for strength for the pitsons, God, as they continue to reach out to the unlovable. I pray you show them, God, encourage them. God, let them see a harvest. Let them see lives changed. But above all, God, let them see every situation the way that you see it. Never let them lose that tender heart that they have. We ask all of these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.